One day, Jesus was walking through a crowd of people. And as he was walking through the crowd of people, a man called out to him and he asked him to tell his older brother to divide up his father's inheritance so that he could receive some of what was due him. Jesus informed the man that he wasn't into resolving legal disputes, but Jesus is into molding and shaping hearts. So Jesus, recognizing the man's greed, told a story. He said there once was a rich man who was a successful farmer. And one year, the successful farmer had a bumper crop. More grain was produced than had ever been produced before. So much grain that he did not have a place to store all the grain that was grown that year. So the man got an idea in his head and he decided that he was going to tear down all of his old barns and he was going to build new barns, enough barns to be able to store all the grain that had been grown that year. And he thought to himself, with all that grain, I'm going to be able to retire and relax and enjoy life. In essence, I'll be able to eat, drink, and be merry. But one day God confronted that man. He told him that he was a fool. And he told him that that very night his life was going to be taken from him. And then what would happen to all those possessions that you worked so hard to accumulate? Jesus closed the parable by warning each one of us that whosoever would behave in such a way by storing up treasures on earth and not being rich to God may experience the same outcome. It's a short story, but that's a powerful story. You see, there's a warning in that story to each of us because there is a, a potential for each one of us to act in the same way. There is a potential for each one of us to work to acquire things in this life, to store up grain. In other words, to store up treasures here on earth. It's a danger for each one of us. The temptation is very real. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Chicago, and I had told you before that I was going to Chicago. So we went to Chicago, and while we were there, I found myself a number of times thinking to myself, if I just had a little more money, I could do this, or I could do that, or maybe much more money, and then I could have a home on Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> One day, I was walking down Rush Street, and as I'm walking down Rush Street, I pass a Bentley, Aston Martin, and Ferrari dealership, <laughs> and I didn't just walk by. I stopped and I stared in the window and I found the car that I wanted. Now, maybe not be your car, but for me, the Bentley convertible was pretty sweet. Yes. Now, some of you may be Ferrari people or maybe Aston Martin people and some of you may not have any idea what those car brands are and that's probably a much better position to be in. <laughs> but you see, the temptation is very real for all of us. For you, it may not be a car, but there is something that you are tempted to acquire. There is some earthly treasure that may be pulling at your heart. We're all susceptible to this. But there's a danger that if we succumb, 
If we succumb to the temptation, we become more and more likely, we become more and more likely to work toward acquiring that thing. Now, maybe it's a car. Maybe you are working more and more to acquire more income or wealth or power. Maybe you're working more and more to acquire a bigger house or a nicer house. Or maybe it's a boat. Or maybe you're working more and more to work towards something that you've always looked for, some earthly treasure that I have not yet named, but you know what that thing is, that you're just working more and more to acquire that thing. More grain. A treasure here on earth. Do you know why Jesus called that rich man a fool? Sounds a bit harsh. He called that man a fool because he was a fool. <laughs> the man had worked tirelessly, spending time, spending energy, giving of his heart to acquire more grain. More grain that he could store away. And Jesus called him a fool because the man did not understand that he could not take it with him. He, that's what the parable is all about. You can't take it with you. So this morning, I pray for each one of us that we would not be foolish, but that we would be wise that we would recognize that we can't take it with us, but we can send it ahead. See, this morning, Jesus wants to remind each one of you, listen closely, he wants to remind each one of you that you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. So if you would, would you please take your Bible? And would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6 is found on page 787 in the Bible that's in the rack in front of you. I'd encourage you, if you did not bring a Bible, to grab one of those, open it up to page 787, and follow along with me. This morning, we're continuing our study in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And as we have seen so far, Jesus continually addresses issue, the issues of the heart. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has taught us on many subjects. He's taught us on salvation and life, treatment of others, forgiveness, anxiety and worry, and much more. And today he comes to the subject of money and possessions. Now this really shouldn't be a surprise. As much as most of you do not want to hear a sermon on money and possessions, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that Jesus comes to us with a message on money and possessions because money and possessions are a big part of life and a big heart issue. In fact, in all of Jesus' teachings, there's about 15% of his teachings that specifically deal with the topic of money. This is because there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual health and how we think about and how we act and handle money and possessions. You see, our finances and our faith are inseparable. So here, Jesus directly addresses the heart by asking the question, where is your treasure? 
Is your treasure here or is your treasure uh, in heaven? And this morning, Jesus is going to give to us three instructions to create wealth in heaven. Three instructions on how we send it ahead. So the first instruction that Jesus gives to us this morning, the first instructions is that we are to transfer our treasure to heaven. Transfer your treasure to heaven. Follow along with me as I begin reading in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now notice first, verse 19 is a negative command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Jesus starts with a negative command, but what I like about Jesus is he then transfers almost immediately to a positive command. That's verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, transfer your treasure to heaven. Now, the first word that jumps out, of us, out at us is this word, treasures. Now, Jesus here, notice this, Jesus here did not specifically say money because not everyone has money, but all of us have treasures. A treasure is something that we give our affection and our attention to. It's what you value above other things. It's what is near and dear and close to your heart. Now, that clearly may be money, but it does not have to be money. It's not limited to be money. Now, to be clear, notice here that Jesus is not saying that storing up earthly treasures is bad. That is not what he is saying here. But what he is saying is, why would you want to store up earthly treasures when they're not going to last forever? You can't take it with you. So it would be foolish to store up earthly treasures. In Jesus' day, the verses kind of indicate this to us. In Jesus' day, it's pretty clear that fine clothing or fine garments was a, was a treasure for many people. It was a source of value. People accumulated fine garments and fine clothing. It was a sign of wealth. And fashion did not change as frequently then as it does today. So people could hold on and they could accumulate fine garments and linens and clothes. But the danger of accumulating these things was that they were susceptible to moths. They were susceptible to moths destroying. So you wouldn't know if that garment would continue to hold value because the moth may destroy it. Secondly, in Jesus' day, grain being held in a barn was a form of wealth accumulation, and therefore it could be considered a treasure. Famine was an ever-present reality in the ancient Near East, and if you were able to have grain stored up, you would have the ability to sell that grain at an extreme profit when and if a famine would come along. But the problem with grain stored in a barn was vermin, rust, and mite, excuse me, rust, rats and mice would have the opportunity to come in and be able to eat the grain. So your grain, the wealth that you had accumulated in grain, had the potential to be gone. 
Thirdly, and finally, there were tangible assets that people considered gold, valuable stones, gems. But the problem with gold, the tangible efforts and things is that they can be stolen. That's why Jesus says thieves could break in and steal and it would all be gone. What is your treasure? What is that earthly thing that you hold closely to your heart? What is that earthly thing that you value above other things? Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's a boat. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your reputation. Maybe it's your looks. Maybe it's your personality. What is that earthly thing that you value above all else? We see that that earthly thing, you can't take it with you. Jesus is saying, you cannot take it with you. If moth and vermin can destroy it, if thieves can come in and steal it, if the passing of years can diminish it, if a change in circumstances can wreck it, then it's an earthly treasure that you are storing up here. And Jesus is assuring us that it will not last. According to Jesus, storing up earthly treasures isn't simply wrong. It's just foolish. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he never seems to leave us in a negative command. He always tends to flip it and then focus on the positive command, and that's what happens in verse 20. Look what he says again in verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's a command. It's a command to you and me. He does not want us to store up treasures in the wrong place. He wants us to store up treasures in the right place. I've heard it said that Jesus is all for enlightened self-interest. Instruction here for us to act in our own best self-interest by looking forward, by storing treasures up in heaven. And Jesus is commanding you and he's commanding me to do this. And remember, yes, we are to live our lives for God's glory. But when we live our lives for God's glory, we are also living in our own best self-interests. He desires that we store up treasures in heaven. And when we serve God and we serve others, we are storing up treasures in heaven. When you serve God by giving of your time, your resources, and your talents, when you serve others by giving of your time, your resources, and your talents, you are storing up treasures in heaven. And God wants us to recognize that our faithful actions to Jesus Christ in this life inure a benefit for us in the future in heaven. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know what? I am not all entirely for this assumed delayed gratification. I may not be so good at pushing things forward to heaven when I'm living life here right now today. But here's the thing. It's not entirely delayed gratification because the way Jesus' works is not only is he promising future reward in heaven, 
He is actually promising blessing in the present if we choose to live our life in service for God and for others. And he promises to you and he promises to me joy and peace in this life when we look to store our treasures in heaven. Now, I'd like to show you, I'd like to share with you some of the reward that is promised to those who serve God and serve others. It's a list of treasures that I have created here. Number one treasure is Jesus. Jesus is the number one treasure. We end up getting to see Jesus face to face. Number two treasure is heaven. And I am pretty sure that everybody's mansion in heaven is not going to be the same size. Heaven is a reward that is promised. Reward number three, some will reign with Christ. Reward number four, some will be put in charge of many things. And then finally, there is the reward of crowns, which we could go into great depth with, but I want you to at least see the list of five crowns that will be given to those who live their lives in service to God and in service to others. Faithful, diligent service to God and service to others. Number one, the imperishable crown. Number two, the crown of rejoicing. Number three, the crown of righteousness. Number four, the crown of glory. And number five, the crown of life. They are crowns that are waiting as rewards for those people who send their treasure ahead to heaven. So it's clear that God promises many, many rewards, treasures in heaven. So listen to me closely. So it is not wrong to be motivated by reward. If it were wrong, Jesus would not have offered it to us as a motivation. You see, reward is his idea, not ours. Have you ever noticed that there are some Christians who are not looking forward to leaving this world? Have you ever wondered why some Christians are not looking forward to leaving this world? It's because they're storing up their treasures on earth. You see, one day we are all going to die. Death is one day closer for each one of us every single day we live. And unless the Lord Jesus returns, we are all going to die. And if you are storing up your treasures on heaven, one day closer to death means that you are one day closer to leaving your treasure. But if you are storing up your treasures in heaven, one day closer to death means that you are one day closer to the reward. So when you live focusing your heart and your mind on the treasures in heaven, you live a life in anticipation of what God has for you, not in fear for what is to come. That's why Jesus concludes this section in verse 21. He includes this section in verse 21 by saying, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, if your treasure is here on earth, your heart will be here on earth. If your treasure is in heaven, your heart will be on heavenly things. Jesus is saying to us here, hey, just show me your checkbook. Show me your credit card. Show me the receipts and I will show you where your heart is. You see, the interesting thing is your heart is going to follow your treasure. We think just the opposite. 
We think that our heart goes first and then the treasure follows. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying your heart will follow your treasure. So if you're not quite sure where your heart is, if your heart isn't aligned with Christ, if your heart isn't close enough to Christ, start sending your treasure first towards heavenly things and your heart will follow. You see, maybe one way to do this, one suggestion maybe, is maybe there's that thing that holds your heart. Maybe there's something in your life, it's a treasure, and it is holding your heart right now. Some of you have that thing in mind? The thing that's got a hold of you? That treasure, that earthly treasure? If you want your heart to be focused on heavenly things, give the treasure away. Give it away. Give it away with little fanfare. And what will happen is, is you will be freed and your heart will follow the treasure that you have just given to God to be placed in heaven because you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Give the thing away and see what God does with your heart. Now, some of, some of you at this point, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not worried about this treasure thing. One way or the other, I don't really, you know what, I'm, I'm living good and I'm, fine, I'm making good, I don't, treasure here, treasure there. It's not really a big deal for me. Jesus is good enough for me. That's not really a good attitude because clearly Jesus is saying something very different here. Jesus is saying that you should be concerned about the treasure. You should be concerned about the treasure in heaven and you should live your life accordingly. You should definitely care about what Jesus is saying here. The second instruction for us this morning is to create wealth in heaven is be generous. Be generous here on earth. Look what Jesus says in verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, after reading this, you may think that Jesus is concerned with the health or the clarity of the eye. But this NIV translation and some other translations are a bit misleading on this subject. The King James, if you're looking at a King James version, is a bit more accurate in this instant with its literal translation. It says, if your eye is single and if your eye is evil. If your eye is single and if your eye is evil. This is where we get the expression, an evil eye. You see, in Jewish culture, there were specific meanings for expressions about the eye. It's kind of like we have today. If you're red-eyed, it means you're tired. If you're bug-eyed, it means you're excited or you're looking forward to something. You see, in Jewish culture, the same kind of thing existed about expressions about the eye. And here, when Jesus refers to somebody having a single eye, it means the person is someone who gives to others with open-handed generosity. The warm heart shines through warm eyes. The opposite is the evil eye. The evil eye refers to a stingy person, a stingy person with a begrudging spirit. The same uh, expression occurs in Jesus' story about the generous vineyard owner. Remember the story about the generous vineyard owner? He hires different people throughout the day. 
Yet at the end of the day, he gives everybody the same wage. So whether you worked an hour or you worked the whole day, you received the exact same amount of compensation. And some of the people that had worked all day were pretty upset that those that had only worked an hour received the same amount of money. And in that context, within that story, Jesus says, is your eye evil because I am good? Are you stingy? Do you have a stingy or begrudging spirit? If your eye becomes clouded by greed, the result is darkness. You see, Jesus is saying here that if you're generous and you have a generous spirit, your life will be useful. But if on the other hand, you're greedy and you're selfish, your life will be wasted. Remember, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. And generous people give of themselves and of their money to people in general and to people in need specifically. The result is joy in this life and treasures in heaven. Have you ever noticed the joy and the excitement that comes from people who are generous with the resources that God has given them? I have some friends that I know personally, and they are extremely generous with the gifts that God has given them, with the resources that God has given them. For both of them, it's primarily, they're successful in business, and it is primarily the money that God has given them to use for his glory. And when I talk to them, it is always remarkable to me how they talk about the joy of giving the wonder of giving, the opportunity that they have to give of their resources. And you can see the excitement well up out of them. Yes, they are storing up for themselves treasures in heaven, but here today in the moment and in the presence, they are experiencing the joy of giving in their life. Have you ever noticed there are crabby people in this world? (laughs) You know too, you know if you're a crabby person. Maybe you're a crabby person. And the other thing I've noticed about crabby people is crabby people aren't generous. They're not joyful. They're crabby. (laughs) And they're crabby because they're not generous. And because they're not generous, they're not experiencing the joy of giving. It's why God says he loves a cheerful giver. Now, I will tell you what's interesting to me Let me say this in in the right way. I am very proud of Calvary Church. Because as a whole, Calvary Church, you are a generous group of people. You give of the resources that God has given you. You give to others. You give specifically to people in need. And the result is, generally speaking, this is a joyful place. And that's good. Now, please, we cannot rest on our laurels. We have to continue to grow in giving. And as we grow in giving, we'll be setting aside treasures in heaven and we will also experience the joy that God has for us in this life. Now, finally, under this point, this morning, if you feel disconnected from God, if you are here this morning, if you are watching online and you feel disconnected from God, and you want to jumpstart your relationship with God, jumpstart your relationship by giving. Giving generously will jumpstart your relationship with God. Look what God says in Proverbs to us. 
He says this, in a minute he's gonna say it. I'm sure he is, there he does. <laughs> Look at this, no seriously, because this is, this is good. It's kind of funny to get there, but it's good. Look at what God says. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. If you are disconnected from God this morning, not for sure, but it may be because you have shut your ears to the cry of the poor. And God is telling us very specifically, if you are shutting your ears to the cry of the poor, the reason you may feel disconnected is because God is not answering you. He is moving farther and farther away from you. So if you want to reconnect your relationship with God, and you know that you have not been generous, you know that you have a stingy spirit, God is telling you this morning, give, give generously. And when you start to give generously to the needy, to the oppressed, to those who do not have, when you start to do that, God, he's gonna start to listen to you, right? Because here's the thing, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Which leads us to the third instruction to create wealth in heaven. The third and final instruction this morning is choose the right master. Choose the right master. This last verse in our text deals with the all-important question, who are you serving? People often think, people often think that they can have the best of both worlds. You can have the best life here, living for yourself, accumulating treasures in this life for your comfort and for your prosperity and even for the benefit of your children. And you can have the best life to come in heaven. People often think they can have it all. It doesn't work that way. It is not the way God works. Look at what Jesus says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In this verse, Jesus distinguishes between two masters. Masters demand exclusive allegiance. Allegiance to two masters does not work. Maybe you have a situation like this as an example. Maybe you have a situation like this at work. You report to two different supervisors. And the two different supervisors have two very different views on how you should do your job. It becomes an untenable situation because you cannot serve two masters. You may live your life, and right now you may have two jobs to support yourself. The problem is that is not the way it works with Jesus, because Jesus demands exclusive allegiance. You cannot serve both God and money. The reason is simple. The reason is simple. You are either going to be a slave to God or you are going to be a slave to money. 
Those are the two options, slave to God or slave to money. And what Jesus is saying here is choose your master wisely. Do not be foolish because it says you are either going to be devoted to one and you are going to despise the other. You are either going to be a slave to God. Now notice, it does not say you cannot have God and money. God is fine with you having money. But you cannot be a slave to that money. You need to be a slave to Jesus. And when you are a slave to Jesus and you have money, you will listen to Jesus, you obey Jesus, you recognize that he has given you that money to use for his purposes. You will obey Jesus in the use of the money that you have. But if you are a slave to money, what ends up happening is you end up being devoted to the money and despising God and you end up actually obeying the money and not doing and using the money to try to manipulate God. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you try, you will become bitter and you will become resentful. So God says, I almost read Jesus as begging us to choose the right master. Don't get trapped choosing money. Choose God. And by choosing God, you end up storing treasures up in heaven because you will start to obey God in how he tells you to use the money that he has given you. You see, you cannot take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Jesus has given us three instructions this morning to create wealth in heaven, to send it ahead. Transfer your treasure to heaven. Be generous and choose the right master. As I was studying and praying this week, it occurred to me that there is something you can take with you. Any idea? What can you take with you? Much more tangible. People. You can take people with you to heaven. And how this connects to this message is one of the best ways that you can take people to heaven is properly handling the money and the possessions that God has entrusted to you. Because if people observe you transferring your treasure to heaven, if people observe you being generous, if people observe you choosing the right master, they are going to see something completely different in you and they are going to see something that is tangible and real and offers hope and joy and peace. And when they see that, they're going to say, boy, that person is a whole lot different than everybody else I know out there. And they're going to want what you have. 
And so if you handle your money and the possessions the way God has instructed, not only are you going to have treasure in heaven, which Jesus is using to motivate us, but you are going to bring people with you to heaven. Amen? You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. One day Jesus is going to return. He's coming back. And look what this verse from the very last chapter of the Bible says. This is Jesus. And he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. You can't take it with you. But you can send it ahead. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this service. I thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, I thank you for each one of these people. And I pray, Jesus, that we would be a people who are wholly and fully devoted to you. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who obey you in the handling of our money and our possessions, things that you have given to us, that you have entrusted to us to use for your honor and glory. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that when we do, you respond with reward. Lord Jesus, you are good. And we thank you. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would better see you today. And we pray this in your name. Amen.